Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today, it's time for our annual holiday episode. So <laughs> I am so excited. It's the week before Christmas, or about a week and a half before Christmas when we are recording this. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I have almost exclusively been reading holiday books. (laughs) So this topic is right up my alley right now. And do you read many holiday books? I I think it's super fun to do. Um, I have not this year at all because of committee Mm -hmm. uh, responsibilities, and I definitely didn't last year. And in fact, when we were talking about this, I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to basically just pull from my archives of Mm -hmm. books I've talked about before because I don't have anything new to contribute since uh, the last time we did a holiday episode that would sort of fit this uh, this kind of thing that we're talking Mm -hmm. about and so uh, and then I was pleasantly surprised that I did have some things I hadn't covered before so I do really love it I love seasonal reading Mm -hmm. but um, it is not in the cards for me this year so I've been kind of looking at your (laughs) Instagram with a little bit of um green tinged eyes (laughs) well it's funny because i don't i usually will maybe read one holiday book and and mostly because it just kind of sneaks up on me where i'm thinking oh i have plenty of time to read that sort of thing and then suddenly it's right before christmas so i i squeeze one in or maybe two Uh, same thing happens with me i love doing jigsaw puzzles especially around christmas time and Mm. i always i have this stack of christmas themed puzzles that then I look at and think, I'm not going to be able to do all of this. What am I thinking? Like, <laughs> there's so much else going on. Uh, but in my mind, that stretch between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas is longer than it actually is or something, or I have more free time. That's the other thing. I think around this time of year, we tend to be a bit busier because of yeah. social things and just doing things like today. I baked cookies and things like that. Things yeah. where I would usually be maybe in my leisure time reading I'm not doing that. So, yeah. But this year, I don't know. I was just inspired to to tackle it early. I think I started the weekend of Thanksgiving with my first one. And then pretty much since then, I've been either reading or listening to a holiday book. And I was just telling Anne before we started recording. So I haven't only been reading holiday books. I have mixed in a couple of other just non-holiday topics. But at all times, I have something on the plate that is holiday themed. Right. What do you think the appeal is of of reading these kinds of books? I think just, I mean, it kind of is the same thing with with everything right now of of trying to be peak seasonal. Mm-hmm. Just in in our lives, we're like like everyone is is trying to be as fall as possible right. and as summer as possible and as Christmas as possible. And so, um, so for readers, this is just a natural extension to me of mm-hmm. of incorporating that feeling into book form Mm -hmm. um i and i one of the things i'd like about that is is my mind naturally goes to christmas romance because it's it's just such a a known entity um with hallmark movies and um i guess pretty much hallmark movies is is the biggest thing but then i love i love for for non-romance readers how much there is out there as well um it's just you can find out something for everyone maybe there it's a little less common in sci-fi and fantasy but there are there are some things that fit 
quality reading for mm-hmm. for those fans too. But what do you think? What what do you get out of it? Well, I think it's that feeling that part of the re- I just love Christmas anyway. I think we talked about this when we talked about people really digging Halloween <laughs> and mm-hmm. I said I was a Christmas person. I mean that cozy feeling I think is ultimately right. what I'm trying to capture that feeling of sitting by a tree with the trink- twinkle lights going and just the sense of um, warmth and and people gathering and all those things like that's very appealing to me so I think Mm -hmm. when I read those kinds of books that's what I'm hoping to get out of them the other thing I will say especially the ones I'm going to talk about today for the most part the holiday books that I'm aware of are pretty quick reads they aren't particularly intense to either you know you have to really focus on them or you have to spend a lot of time with them they're very easy to pick up and put down if you need to they are stories that are pretty straightforward they're not too complicated so they don't really tax your brain that much which there are certain times where I think that that's what you would be looking for is a book that's really going to stretch you or going to make you think or whatever it might be. And this time of year, like I said, I think a lot of people are pretty busy. If they celebrate Christmas, that tends to be a, a busy time for people. And so that's another aspect of these books is they tend to be the right length and sort of investment of mm-hmm. brain power that people are looking for around this time of year. So that's that's part of it for me, too. It's like I want I want an easy heartwarming read and I kind of know I get that guaranteed if I'm going to pick up one of these books. Yeah, for sure. I I was thinking while you were talking that I feel like for me and and I think this would apply to you too. I feel like we're always trying to capture the a coziness and right. that is kind of more in line with how I picture Christmas as a kid. Like, I think for lots yes. of people, Christmas is, is lots of, of like, like the, the picture or the idea of a kid at Christmas is just, you know, tearing into toys and right. tearing the into... the magic of it. Yeah, the magic. But I think for reading kids, it's the, there's more of a coziness, yeah. at least in, in my memory. And, and so I feel like as adults, we're trying to, like, we talk about how we have these dreams of having enough time for sitting by a tree and a fire mm-hmm. and reading books and being cozy and... Uh, doing a puzzle and how you always tend to feel like time has gotten away from you and how there isn't as much time as you think. And I I feel like we're always just chasing that freedom of having unlimited time at Christmas mm-hmm. because that's what we have as kids. Yeah. And uh, as adults, we're the ones that have to make that magic happen. And it takes time to do yeah. those things. Yeah. It's a lot of time. And so when I think, well, I don't have any responsibilities really. Like, why do I still feel so strapped for time? It, it Because if I want to sit by a cozy uh, fire, I have to decorate. I have to get everything out myself and string lights and do all these things. And as a kid, you're the you're, you're sort of just the recipient of right, all that right. magic as opposed to creating it. That's very astute. I think you're right. Ooh, great for me. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think part of it is trying to capture that feeling that you get as a child, especially mm-hmm. if you're a child that looks back fondly on Christmas and, and mm-hmm. what that meant. And Because I think for a lot of people I know, Christmas is actually a pretty melancholy time, too. Mm-hmm. I know that I have a lot of people in my life that I think as much as maybe they still like and enjoy the holidays there's also an air of it being a little bit bittersweet because of losses that have happened so Mm -hmm. I think part of these books too is 
sinking into the escapism of like, oh, no, these are all perfect, you know, right. perfect Christmas right. stories and, and the, that aspect of escaping from real life, too. Yeah, 100 percent, which is the, the joy of so much reading, I think. I know, truly. All right. Well, tell me your first one. Um, the first book I picked is The Mistletoe Murder and Other Stories by P.D. James. And this is, uh, P.D. James is one of the great mystery writers of, of all time, I would say. And she died in uh, 2014. And so this is a collection of four, I think, novellas and short stories that had been previously published elsewhere, but then were collected after her death. Um, so because it's short stories, I'm not going to recount the plot of a short story, also because I can't remember. <laughs> But if you know P.D. James's work, then there are two stories that feature her detective, Adam Dalgleish, as a young man. And then there's another story that has um, a very Agatha Christie feel to it, where it's a country house that has a murder at Christmas. And, you know, there's nothing I like better than that. <laughs> so, um, And they're just centered around uh, the holidays. So there isn't, there isn't a whole lot to, to say about that. But I read this, I think... Oh, maybe three years ago. Uh, no, it was Christmas of 2020. And that was a very quiet Christmas. And I remember that it really felt to me like it captured the quieter moments of the season where where I did get that experience of sitting by a fire and there were candles mm -hmm. around and a big chair and a blanket because that just by necessity had to be I was with family, but it was a much quieter Christmas than any other Christmas we've experienced. Yeah. Um, and I I I also remember thinking that mysteries as, as short stories don't always work for me because there's so little room in them to mislead the reader that sometimes I think any piece of information is so glaringly obvious as being the big clue right. or the big element that I need to pay attention. And I remember being really impressed at how fleshed out these stories were. And um, that was just to me a, a really clear sign of what a great and and what a skillful writer pd james was where where she can take something that's really small and still make it feel like a surprise to me so um so this one is is isn't so much of a here's this overwhelming christmas feeling but if you need something that's a little bit quieter and a little uh cozier that isn't a romance then this is one that i would definitely recommend um also i when i was writing this up i remembered that my sister took my copy and I'm a little bit miffed about that, and I would like it back. And I'm saying publicly so she knows, because <laughs> she'll listen to this. Give it back. Give it back. <laughs> um, so that's The Mistletoe Murder and Other Stories by P.D. James. My first book is One Last Gift by Emily Stone. And this one, I think, slots in very well to that, what I was just saying about that kind of melancholy, bittersweet feeling that some people get. Um, because... A lot of what I've seen being published for, and or at least marketed as Christmas or holiday books, are romances or rom-coms. Um, mm -hmm. And this is more on the relationship fiction side of things. It's about Cassie and Tom, who are brother and sister, and they lost their parents when they were very young. So they grew up having to basically only rely on each other. They went to, I think it's their aunt, and she raised them, but she was pretty hands-off about it, so they really relied on each other. Um, and then as they were growing up, Tom's best friend, Sam, was also part of the picture and they were kind of a trio. But at the same time, Cassie always harbored a crush on Sam. And then as they get older and they're teenagers and then into their 20s, that doesn't really go away and actually becomes her feelings become a bit stronger. And they are 
all on vacation together at a ski resort and the rest of the group is skiing and Cassie and Sam are just together like drinking hot chocolate and it seems like maybe something is actually going to happen between the two of them it seems like maybe he reciprocates her feelings but then all of a sudden he pulls away from her emotionally and it she thinks oh, okay I guess this isn't that was just a figment of my imagination this isn't going to happen so several years after that she has pretty much avoided being around him but her brother still wants to include him and and have her there and stuff and so um it, they're sort of in this weird situation tom and sam are supposed to take a vacation together uh, a couple weeks before christmas one year and at the very last minute, Sam backs out. And so Tom decides to go on his own and proceed to do this. It's kind of, they always take these adventurous trips together. And this one's rock climbing and some other things. And so he decides he's still going to go. He ends up making friends while he, you know, co-travelers will be friendly with each other. And he makes some friends. But sadly, he suffers a very tragic accident. He does not return from the trip. The book is really, this happens all at the very, you know this you from the back cover of the book. I'm not giving anything away. So then really what you're following in the book is how Cassie and Sam deal with the loss of somebody who was so important to them. And a big aspect of it is for Cassie that uh, when they were growing up and, and through the present day, Tom would always do a treasure hunt for her to find her Christmas present. So he would lay out all these clues and she'd have to go different places or do different things to discover the next clue and then ultimately find her Christmas present. And what she learns after his death is that he had planned one for her before because he was taking this trip so close to Christmas. He had planned one for her already before he left. So at first she doesn't think she can do it. You know, it's too difficult. She's grieving. She doesn't want to do it. But then realizes it's really her last way of keeping him alive in spirit is to do it. So she decides to follow these clues and eventually, you know, hopefully find her Christmas gift. So the book follows basically an entire year after his death and you watch Cassie as she's doing this treasure hunt. You follow Sam as he is trying to come to terms with this huge loss and also they aren't sure Cassie and Sam aren't sure about their relationship to each other. So that's another like added layer of complexity um, because they're both mourning this loss, but also not sure about the other one. So it's, it's a pretty complicated dynamic. And so this one, like I said, it's, I liked it because it ultimately has a good ending, like a satisfying mm -hmm. good ending that's, that's happy for the characters that are in it. But it's also, there's also this loss element to it that's not, it's not shied away from how difficult that is for these people in the book. I think that if you like the idea of a Christmas book, but a rom-com doesn't really appeal to you, and maybe like a mystery doesn't appeal to you like you just, mm -hmm. the one you just described, this one might be a good fit because it has some of the Christmassy feel to it, but it also has the rest of the year that it will cover um, at other parts of the book. So it's not solely about Christmas. And this is how I, I kicked off my reading this year. and thought it was a really good start to it. I really liked it. It's called One Last Gift by Emily Stone. That sounds super compelling. Yeah, that was good. I love I love a I love a book that uh has the magic of Christmas but also maybe not the magic, but the yeah. includes Christmas but also acknowledges that there's other stuff going on right, at yeah. the same time. Yeah, that's exactly what this does. Okay, next is Holidays on Ice by David Sedaris. 
and this is a collection of essays and short stories about holidays that happen all year but it's famous for one in particular so if you uh, know anything about David Sedaris you know that he has a very very particular tone to his writing he is someone who notices absurdities and, and, and eccentricities in the world including his own and he writes humorously about them and very self-deprecatingly about them and so this is this is just a an example of something that he's very very famous for the most famous essay in this book is the Santa Land Diaries which was not written for this collection but is included here he's included it in several other places and that is um, an essay where he describes his experiences as a seasonal worker at Macy's during uh, the holidays and he's a an elf named Crumpet there <laughs> so he wrote this essay in 1992 and it's was read at the time I think I think that year in 1992 on NPR and it was a huge hit and it ended up being his big break from a struggling writer to a known name um, so he kind of became synonymous with that NPR sound I guess and um, in the meantime um, since then it's become a holiday tradition for him to read it on NPR every year so a lot of people look forward to that um, this all this collection also has a, a story called or a, an essay called six to eight black men that a friend of mine listens to every year as her Christ, Christmas tradition mm. and she laughs just as much every time and so I love hearing from her that she's listened to it and that she's she's enjoyed it just as much every time so um, I definitely would say that that for me the essays were stronger than the, the short stories I always feel that way about David Sedaris's books so um, it was sort of keeping in here. But for me, this was a fun collection to dip into and back out of when you're when I I think I read this two years ago as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when the, the holidays are just a frazzled time. And so um, whether it's busyness um, of actual activity frazzled or emotionally frazzled, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of ways. So even though Christmas 2020 was quiet, there's still a lot of emotion going on so I remember reading this at that time and being able to just come in and out and having it feel like I just got my 15 minutes of reading (laughs) and that was perfect and now I can kind of face the world again and because of the way he writes it's it's like if you you just need to step away and get some reassurance that someone else sees sort of the absurdity of everything that's going on around you amidst all the fun that's going on as well then David Sedaris is your guy. So I also would say that this is very, very, very good if you listen to it rather mm-hmm. than reading. He has a, a very distinctive voice. He's very famous for that. And so to me, that's just the, the correct way to to ingest these. So um, they're pretty fun. So it is Holidays on Ice by David Sedaris. All right. My next one is Holiday Romance by Catherine Walsh. I think so far in my reading, and I am not done with my holiday reading yet. <laughs> So far, this is my favorite one I've read so far this year. Ooh. So this one is about two Irish college students, Molly and Andrew, who are both studying in the U.S., and they find themselves sitting next to each other on the transatlantic flight from Chicago to Dublin right before Christmas when they're heading home for uh, the break, the semester break. And Andrew has been dating Molly's somewhat friend, sort of like a friend of me. It's a, a friend of hers that... She sort of has realized over time that she's not really a great friend, but it's somebody that took her in right when she first started college so she feels like she owes her something. Mm-mm. The reason I'm saying that is because as they're boarding the flight or as they just get on the flight, Molly gets a text from her 
friend-ish person saying that she just cheated on Andrew <gasps> and that she's planning on breaking up with him. And then Molly's sitting there thinking, oh, no, I'm going to be sitting next to this man on this flight all the way back to Dublin. Do I tell him? Because he thinks that they're together. And so it's just, it's just awkward. The following year, the same exact thing happens, although they're not sitting next to each other that time. They're just on the same flight. And this begins 10 years in a row of Molly and Andrew both flying to Dublin together right before Christmas on the same flight. And at first it's by accident those first few years. And then starting in, I think, the third or fourth year, they start doing it on purpose where they have become friendly and they decide to do that travel time together so that they have somebody that they can hang out with and chat with the whole time. And they do, they both live in Chicago and they do throughout the 10 years interact occasionally throughout the year but this this Christmas flight tends to be the one time that they really spend dedicated time together so the book flashes back and forth between each of these 10 flights that they take or the nine years worth and then the current year which is their 10th year and the I will say the majority of it is spent on the current time frame and then you just get little sneak peeks back to previous flights just okay. to see how their relationship has developed. And in their current flight, or in the current year, uh, their flight gets canceled because there's a huge snowstorm. And Andrew loves Christmas. It's a big deal. He has a big family, and he loves going back to Ireland to be able to be with them on Christmas. It's a very big deal to him, whereas Molly feels a little bit more lackluster or ambiguous about Christmas. She just doesn't <laughs> love it so much. Um, but she knows how important it is to Andrew. So when their flight gets canceled, she makes it her mission to figure out a way to get him home. Because at first he said, well, we'll just hang out in Chicago. You and I can order takeout and just we'll just celebrate here. She said, no, we are definitely getting you home. This is going to be, I am determined to make this happen. So that, that's the book, basically. That's a story you're following for the current year. Okay. And I just thought it was absolutely delightful. <laughs> I'll admit that sometimes with these holiday books that I read, I have slightly lower expectations of what I would consider a good book than in my general reading life. Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm not necessarily looking for the same kinds of things in a holiday book that I am throughout the rest of the year. But this book I felt like really stood up against all of those other rom-coms that I read and love. And yes, there's the Christmas element to it, but it's, I don't know, I just felt like I just enjoyed reading it so much and, and it really gave me um, very similar feelings to the other rom-coms that I love, uh, particularly if you liked People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. I felt like this would be a great read-alike for that one because it's about these people who have traveled together and been friends and had their ups and downs. And then you get to see kind of where the relationship goes from that. So that is Holiday Romance by Katherine Walsh. And I think when I read it, it was on Kindle Unlimited maybe, but I don't know if it still is. But it is out in paperback as well, so it's available. Okay. That's what I, you took the, the very thought that I had was, this sounds so much like people you meet on yeah. vacation. Yeah, it, it's but similar, Christmas. it's similar. But in a not carbon copy way, it's just yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I loved that book, so yeah. I imagined that I would love this one. Yeah. What's your last one? My last one is A Holly Jolly Diwali by mm. Sonia Lolly. That's a lot of Wow, that's a lot of rhyming. <laughs> You know how much I hate rhyming. Oh, that's so great that you just did that. Uh, 
it's so hard to be me. <laughs> um, so when I was picking my books, I specifically thought I don't want to do any rom-coms because I knew you were going to lean into it right. because I knew that that's, that's one of the things you really love about holiday reading. But it's so hard to find non-Christmas holiday yeah. books. And so I just felt like I had to talk about this. Plus, this is this is truly the one book that I've read lately that is a recent or like in the past year recent holiday book and so I was I was just like oh I'm excited about this mm-hmm. one so um so we have a, a glut of rom-coms to to uh cover in this episode <laughs> so it centers around Diwali which is the Hindu holiday that is also called the Festival of Lights and it's actually not celebrated in December it's between um sometime between mid-October and mid-November but it sort of shares the same cultural and religious themes as Christmas and Hanukkah and the solstice in that it's a celebration of light over darkness or you could know, take that as mm-hmm. the triumph of good over evil. Mm-hmm. So so it feels it feels like it's in the same the same uh, wheelhouses as the holidays that we're more familiar with in this mm-hmm. country. And it's about a data analyst named Nikki, who I, I think is based in California, if I'm remembering right. And she um, always has made decisions based on practicality. So that that plays into pretty much all facets of her life. She is laid off from the company that she um, worked at where she thought she was a completely perfect employee. And she then sees after this layoff that her decisions haven't really paid off in the way that they should have. Because on paper, she has done everything right. But in reality, other less deserving people are, are getting promotions over her. So she sees through this that her decisions have always been at her own expense for the sake of other people's happiness or their expectations. And she includes in that her family who want her to date a certain kind of guy and have a certain type of career. And um, and I think if I, I, I didn't have a copy with me, I apologize for, for not uh, double checking okay. on this, but I think she still lives with her parents or, or at least is very near her parents. So she decides that she's going to do something irresponsible for her and go to her friend Dia's wedding in India that is taking place in Mumbai during Diwali. And so this is going to be a, a multi-day event and one of the celebratory dinners that she goes to, um, she's seated next to a musician named Sam from London and he is living this life that's just the complete opposite of hers because he's very in tune with his creative side and and has a lot of freedom but they actually have a ton in common because nikki's first love is art and music but she gave them up to have a more stable career in um data analysis so through him for the first time she's able to indulge in that side of her and she um also gets closer to her indian roots that she she's never really felt uh, a particular tie to um, by being there in, during Diwali. And then together they go on the group honeymoon to uh, the state of Goa, um, which I was just so, sort of dumbfounded by the idea of a group honeymoon trip. But I guess that's that could be fun. Yeah. I, I would not want to do that myself, but I, it sounded pretty fun for the purposes of this book. Um, so while she's there, she gets a job offer back home. And so she has this moment where she's torn between the life that she thinks she should have and the ones that she wants to have and that is sort of opening up to her in that um, while she's there. Mm -hmm. So the story does extend beyond Diwali. Um, So if it's, you know, a fall-based festival, 
then it goes beyond that into um, when she she's in the U.S. It goes into the American Christmas mm-hmm. and New Year celebrations. So it's just all very festive and delightful. And I I loved reading a book that takes place in a, during another culture's major holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that we just don't get that very much in our our uh, reading experiences. I think so. I think this is also a great pick if you're someone who's looking for a clean romance. Mm-hmm. It's not clean in the like the inspirational romance kind of way where sex doesn't exist at all but it's not on the page and this would be um just a very a very good pick if that's that's what you're looking Mm -hmm. for so that is oh i have to rhyme again (laughs) oh it's a holly jolly diwali by sonia lolly i have that on um, my shelf and i just haven't gotten around to reading it yet oh i wondered if you want to read I guess you weren't on that committee last year on because uh, I nominated this for romance. Yeah, but I it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't make it through. So yeah, yeah, I thought it was really fun. It's it's um, you know it's it has the the standard rom com cartoon cover and everything like that, and it's mm-hmm. it's just nice to to have to see other cultures yeah. traditions. I love that. I agree. All right, my last one is The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. And one thing I don't like think... like the princess swap? Uh, <laughs> one thing I don't think we talked about was our, or my love of Hallmark Christmas movies. We refer to them, <laughs> but I don't think we actually talked about whether or not we watch them. I have actually not watched them in a few years, but I do tend to enjoy a Hallmark Christmas movie when, yes. I, when I get to watch one. And this book to me, again, from the books that I have read this year and in previous years, is the one of the more Hallmark movie-ish books, which is a good thing. <laughs> that is a compliment to it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's a certain, that cozy feeling and, and the sense of nothing's too terrible or, or not, nothing's going to be too hard to overcome. That, those sorts of uh, feelings permeate Hallmark movies and also um, this book. So this one is about twin sisters, Cass and Charlie, I'm just realizing I had a book about a Cassie and a book about a Cass. That's kind of funny. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Cass and Charlie are both bakers. And one, Cass, runs the family bakery in the small hometown where they grew up. And the other, Charlie, is a host and, well, sort of like a judge and a host on a reality baking competition show, TV show. Right at the beginning, an onset accident um, causes Charlie to get a concussion and she is unable to smell or taste anything. And the doctor says it should resolve itself pretty soon, but she needs to take it easy. And there's no time frame really that they can give of when her sense of smell and taste will come back. So she begs Cass to swap places with her for the week because they are wrapping up the shooting on this reality competition show. And as part of her job on the show she needs to be able to taste and smell to know if what these people are baking um if their their dishes are good or not and part of what's ultimately going to happen is she has a co-host and they are deciding somebody at the network is deciding between she and her co-host of who is going to get their own show to host and so she is basically in this sub competition with her co-host and so she needs to really impress everybody and so she can't smell or taste she can't do that so Cass agrees because her sister is in a pinch and she says yes I will trade places with you for the week um it takes a little coercing but, but she agrees this is do you know the movie The Holiday 
Yes. Okay. So to me, this movie or this book was as if the movie The Holiday and The Parent Trap uh, had a a little Christmas rom-com baby because it's these sisters swap places and each gets to glimpse into the other's life and sort of it helps them both figure out maybe what's missing in their own life or at the very least have more empathy for their sister and the situation that they're in Um, and also just recognize what they're looking for truly in their own lives so that's where sort of like the holiday because I feel like the holiday does that a little bit where the main characters swap and they get this new taste of a different life and and Mm -hmm. that changes their perspective and the same thing happens in this book but it's like the parent trap because they are pretending to be the other sister to everybody in their lives and I think you're um, forgetting that that also exists as the princess switch so I haven't seen that (laughs) oh my gosh So how I'll, could you? I know. I'm sorry. I need to watch it. I guess. How have I seen it and you haven't? No, I haven't seen. I've one. seen it multiple times. Really? I haven't. seen Yeah. That I'll have to watch it. I mean, you're you're gonna say this is the princess. This is the one. <laughs> yeah, except without the royalty. Right. Thing. Right. I love this. I mean, I love the concept because it's yeah. They have to hide their real identity from everybody, and including some romantic prospects that they they find in their new lives, and and so that adds a little bit of. Uh, not really complication, but a little bit of complication. And, and But you know, just like a Hallmark movie, it's all going to work out okay. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was very, very cute, and I really enjoyed reading it. And af- afterwards, I um, saw that Maggie, this book, I think, came out last year. And so I saw sh- Maggie Knox has a new book out that has a, a holiday theme. And so I immediately put it on hold at the library, although I don't know if I'm going to get it now before Christmas. But, um, but anyway, that's The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. I feel like you have some homework to do. I'm sorry. I'm very, I'm very fixated on this. You haven't seen that movie. <laughs> They're all. She's also a baker in that movie. Really? Oh, yes. I have to watch it. Okay. Ugh. I wonder if there were any discussions online about. Yeah. Like as you were talking about it, I kept thinking this is sort of the. I mean, I guess there's differences, but yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. Hmm. <laughs> It does sound very charming. It's, I I think I would very much enjoy that one too. I love. I get tired of of Hallmark movies pretty quickly, right? Yeah, because I'm just in it for the set design, right? And so, then if I'm if I see a bunch in a row, then I'm sort of like, oh, I'm I'm like my cup is full, right? Of, right. of that. Um, but I do love them. Yeah, and it's just. I mean, it just hit the spot. I you yeah. know you know what you're going to get, and that's exactly what you get. Yeah. Perfect holiday reading. All right. Well, that is it for our holiday titles. We will be right back with what we're reading this week. All right, Anne, what are you reading this week? This week I am reading Babel, an arcane history oh. by Yeah. R. I was R. calling it Babel. Funny. Well, it is Babel, I think, but I'm from the West. So where I'm from, we called it tower of babel oh really yeah i never knew that i mean fascinating i i haven't done a scientific survey no i mean i believe you i know it's just interesting to me how things like that are so regional yeah like how people here say colorado and i'm all know it's colorado yeah that's a very subtle difference though i think from babel and babel no yeah or yeah, like the Colorado, Colorado, yeah. however you say it. I can't say that. Sorry, go ahead. 
So this is a giant fantasy novel, which would normally terrify me, but I loved it because it's a magical version of Oxford and I love stuff like that. So this book starts in 1828 when an unnamed little boy in China has just been orphaned from a cholera outbreak and he is immediately found by an Englishman named Professor Lovell and or Lovell and he is renamed Robin Swift. And Robin already speaks English because of a steady shipment of English books and that he's been receiving over the years and he's been getting tutoring and he realizes um, once the professor finds him that they have that that those opportunities have been coming from the professor but he doesn't know why so they go back to London together and begin a rigorous program of linguistic study to prepare Robin to go to the prestigious Royal Institute of Translation which is nickna nicknamed Babel so this is the height of ta of British power and empire and that power is made possible by silver working where silver bars are inscribed with with magic and they are used to add power to the world generally like they're at the beginning of the book there's a scene where they're in a carriage and there's silver embedded into the carriage to make it go faster so it's it's used um just very commonly but most especially the silver is is used to aid in language and translation which has direct implications on the british efforts towards colonization so robin becomes part of this effort and at first it seems like a dream come true because he loves oxford and he loves languages but he begins to realize that the skills he has as a foreigner in in uh, england are being exploited by the british to oppress his homeland and he starts to question the whole system so at the um, beginning of his time at oxford he becomes aware of very vaguely aware, but it becomes more prominent in, later in the book. He learns of a secret society of thieves who are conspiring to take down the silver working system. And he has to decide if his future is going to be being a part of the system and trying to change it from within or whether he's going to try to break it entirely. So um, I love me some dark academia, as I've said a few times on, on uh, our shows. So this is the fantasy take on it. And the publisher info uh, on the back of the book says that this is a response to both The Secret History and to Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. And those would both be really great read-alikes for fans of those books. I also felt like it had a lot of similarities to Dickens, where there's some mysterious benefactor and we have no idea why he has taken this child in um, that's a very common setup in Dickens and so that's that's the case here um, Hallie and I have both talked about how we like our fantasy grounded in the mm -hmm. real world and this is just the perfect fit for someone like us that that doesn't uh, want a wholly new world but but just a fantastical take on something we already know so it will parallel real events like the opium wars and, and things like that in in the book I have just really adored reading it. It's it's sort of exploring some of the current discussions that we're having right now about the history of uh, colonialism. And it also just has that fun, magical school tale that mm. I am always in the mood for. So I have I need to be reading it a lot faster because I have a lot of books to get through. And this is a 500-something page chunker, but I sort of just want to be you know, t taking my time with mm -hmm. it because I really enjoy being in this world. So that is Babel, an arcane history by R.F. Kwong. This is ending up on so many best of the year lists. And yeah. it's, I had want, I had thought I might want to read it 
just when I heard about it, but it is a big book and I'm not yeah. always a fantasy reader, but so much of it sounded like the kind of fantasy I would like, like you said, that I mm-hmm. thought, mm, I might, I maybe want to read that. And then, gosh, it is just showing up everywhere as one of the best books of the year. So mm-hmm. I definitely think I'm going to, in 2023, try to read it. Yeah. Because it really, be... Is it the start of a series? I'm sorry. I didn't know. If, I don't know if you said Ooh, that Oh, I don't know that actually. Okay. Um, there isn't any, I'm, I'm not done with it yet, so I don't know how it ends, but um let's see let me look up really fast i would also say that this is this would be a great winter book because it does feel kind of um not heavy but just Mm -hmm. a little dense Mm -hmm. and so to me it feels like a good you're you can't do a lot outside you want something that you can you just sort of hunker down into so okay um it doesn't look on goodreads like there's anything okay that because his uh it is him, right? R.F. Kuang, I think. Uh, no, or her. Her? Oh, okay. I read The Poppy War. Is that what that uh-huh. was called? And yeah. that was a series. Right. And I read that, at least the first one in that. So, all right. Well, I'm going to have to add that to my to-read list. <laughs> I'm a never-ending to-read list. Imagine how we do that here. I know. All right. My uh, book that I am listening to this week is All the Dangerous Things by Stacey Willingham, because as you would presume, I am reading... <laughs> A Christmas book, but I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, I've decided to switch it up and talk about a non-holiday book. Uh, this actually does not come out until January 10th, but when you are listening to this, then if it sounds interesting, you can pre-order it or put, place it on hold at the library, maybe get to the head of the line. Uh, I'm listening to an advanced listener's copy. Um, thanks to Libro FM, they give us advanced listener's copies, which I love. I love those so much. It's one of my favorite, my favorite perks. I know. It's so wonderful. So it opens with Isabel talking about how she has not slept in a year. And it all started because her young child, Mason, was taken from the bedroom during the night while she and her husband were asleep in the next room. And so ever since then, she has not slept. So she will take, I think she calls them micro-sleeping. Is that what she says? like micro napping or micro sleeping something like that sort of where you'll your eyes will close for a minute or two and then you'll kind of jerk awake like you do on an airplane you know when your head starts falling um she says that she'll do that or she'll um kind of cat nap but she has not slept a full night in a year Gosh. because she is so focused on trying to find her son and one aspect of how she is trying to find her son is that she speaks about her experiences uh, to true crime aficionados at true crime conventions and things like that. So that's the book starts with that. You know that about Isabel, and you know she is at a true crime convention talking about her experience. And what she does, she doesn't ask for payment. She asks for a list of attendees uh, and their contact information because there is i'm sure if you've ever read or any sort of crime or thriller novel or or any true crime um sometimes when people when somebody has committed a crime they will then return to the scene of the crime or they sort of like to hear people talking about the crime because it i don't know is that an ego boost or something i guess so um so she thinks if she does this and then gets the list of people who attend her talk that there might be the person who took her son in the audience and she might be able to find the person that way. So at one of these conventions, a true crime podcaster approaches her and asks if he can interview her 
uh, for his podcast. And she agrees. Again, exposure. She's thinking the more people that know about her case, the more likely it is that she might be able to find her son. And I'm only about halfway through, so I'm only speaking to, and I'm not, I'm not giving anything away. This is all at the very beginning. As the book is going along, you're also getting flashes back to what I'm presuming is her childhood, <laughs> although I've read enough thrillers <laughs> to know that that maybe is not an assumption I should be making, where she and her sister are going through some stuff and she Isabel she's called Izzy um, is actually a sleepwalker and she does things <gasps> in her sleep that she doesn't know she has done so you're going back and forth between this present day of her trying to find her son and then this past when she was a child and her parents aren't really around and so there's clearly something that happened at the time or it has some impact on the current day and then you're also a third timeline is that when she so oh, this is fun I, I forgot to mention this it takes place in savannah and she grew up Ooh. in beaufort which is where you oh. used to live yeah yeah um anyway so seven years before the current timeline is when she moved to savannah for a new job and that clearly kind of fell apart in some fashion so you're also learning about that so this is a very twisty book. I do not know where the, I do not know how these timelines are going to come together. I do not know who, what's going on with this woman. Is she telling the truth? Is she not? Did she have some sort of involvement in her son's kidnapping or you know the fact that he is no longer or wasn't in the room in the morning? Also, the true crime podcaster seems real shady to me. So there's mm -hmm. a lot up in the air right now, and I'm it's very good. It's definitely capturing my attention. I was making uh, cookies today. I think I mentioned that earlier and I was listening. So I got a big chunk of listening in and it's definitely one that you, you want to keep listening or want to keep reading because you want to find out what happens next. So that is all the dangerous things by Stacey Willingham. And it comes out, like I said, in January. Oh, I already thought it sounded awesome. And then the local. I know she does talk. A, there, so far there hasn't been a whole lot about, the area but there have definitely been little bits sprinkled yeah. here and there and talks about uh some streets in savannah she talks about she, she lives um now i can't think skidaway island or something like that she uh -huh. talks about that so anyway and she talks a little bit about beaufort too so fine i know i have to look up if she has if the author has some sort of personal connection to that area i'm not yeah, sure for sure all right, so that's it for our holiday episode and do you want to go back and list off everything you've talked about today Yes, I will. It. Uh, I talked about The Mistletoe Murder and Other Stories by P.D. James. Holidays on Ice by David Sedaris. Oh, a Holly Jolly Diwali by Sonia Lolly. <laughs> I feel like this is just a trick on me, but I played it on myself. Totally unknowingly, too. Well, the I'm publisher played it, the trick. Yeah. Whoever oh. selected that title. Yeah. And then um, what I'm reading this week is Babel and Arcane, Arcane History by R.F. Kwong. All right, and I talked about One Last Gift by Emily Stone, Holiday Romance by Catherine Walsh, The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox, and what I was listening to this week is All the Dangerous Things by Stacey Willingham. So uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us to tell us if you like holiday books or if there's something you would recommend to us, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we'd also love to hear from you if you have feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss. You can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. 
Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. It really does help people find the show. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this and every episode. And our next episode is going to be our favorites of 2022. So please make sure to come and listen to that in a couple of weeks when we share that. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Happy reading and Merry Christmas if you celebrate.